Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, like Pastor Ed said, we just embarked on a new year, 2020. Hard to believe. Man, it seems like time is flying, isn't it? But I, I know that uh, just like every new year, a lot of us make resolutions. In other words, we resolve to do something different in the new year. And I know it's only been, what, five days into the new year, and some of you have done broke them already. But hopefully there are resolutions that will help us to be better people, to change our lives. Amen? And these resolutions almost always have something to do with, like Pastor Rest says, improving our health or losing weight or something to do with fitness and improved finances and things to better our life. And, and a lot of times we like to... Uh, uh, make resolutions for personal and professional goals. We want to climb the ladder a little more. Amen? I googled the 10 most popular resolutions, and although I don't agree with them, here they are. They were improve my health, number one, exercise, number two, lose weight, number three. So you see how someone's already been broken? Get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, Live life to the fullest, that's a, actually a resolution, made the top 10, save more money and, of course, spend less money, quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, that's a good one, and read more. I don't know what they want to read. I hope it's the Bible. But the top three are improving health, losing weight, and exercising. And that reminds me, I've seen an advertisement for a diet pill. True story. And they said that you could take this pill one in the morning, one at night, and you don't have to change any of your eating habits, and you'll lose 10 pounds a month. Hallelujah. And, and you know, <laughs> I don't understand how gullible and uh, trying to be nice and how gullible and stupid people can be and, you know, there's a sucker born every minute. I mean, just to believe that something like that would work and you don't have to change anything, just take these two stupid pills. But I got news for you. They don't work. And besides that, they were so big I had a hard time swallowing them. <laughs> but seriously, the part about the pill is true. I know somebody that bought them. But it wasn't me. I, I didn't buy them. And I did realize something, though, that these pills flew off the shelves because people are always looking for something easy. They're looking for maximum results with minimum effort. You know, we just don't want to do anything hard. We'd rather take a magic pill and go to bed and wake up with, a, you know, a six-pack and lost some five pounds while I was sleeping and then eat all we want. 
and we're looking for something easy that's going to give us instant gratification. You know, this is a microwave society. We don't want to wait for anything, and we don't want to work for it. Not too hard anyway. And it's like that with a lot of things. You want to quit smoking? All you have to do is chew this gum, suck on this piece of candy, or wear this patch. Another true story. I chewed the gum and smoked at the same time. It did not work for me. Now, you know, it probably worked for somebody else. I've been seeing this advertisement on television. Low on energy, buy these copper fit energy socks. And they'll give you so much energy, you'll dance all over. That's what it said. That's what it said. And I can't dance, so that would really be a miracle for me. $19.99. But wait. If you order now, we'll give you another pair absolutely free. Just pay shipping and handling, $19.99, and we'll send them right out to you. And what about these energy drinks that are destroying our youth? I mean, I, you know, rather than get rest and exercise and have a fitness program that will give you energy, we'd rather just drink a drink, put on a pair of socks, dance all over the place. We want to improve our health. That's ba- I mean, we see that with the re- resolutions. Uh, lower our sugar, lower our blood pressure, relieve stress, quiet our troubled minds, you know. Take a pill. Just take a pill. A pill will fix everything. And you know the world has a pill for everything. I don't care what it is. The world has a pill. But how about this? Let's look at the most popular resolution again. Improved health, losing weight, and exercising. What if I told you that there was a way to lose weight and get more energy and feel better about yourself, even calm your troubled mind? I think you'd be interested in hearing how to do that this morning. But here's what you have to do. First of all, you have to start eating properly. Get the proper rest. No more fried chicken, french fries, or cheesecake. You have to start eating more vegetables and salads. You have to start a vigorous exercise program, which includes some cardio, like a treadmill, stationary bike, running or whatever, and some weight resistance training. And you have to do this every day, two hours a day, five days a week. You can rest on the weekend. And you have to do it for six months. Now that there's only two of you left listening to me, I'm going to tell you, you know, we want an easy solution, but there is no easy solution. You want a lasting solution, you got to do things the hard way. There's no way, uh, uh, no easy way, no taking a pill is going to help you with this. And you're not going to get instant gratification. You have to do it consistently for a while before you see any results. And that's why I lost 90% of you, because we don't want to do that. We don't have time for it. But you have time for other things. Amen. You know, the road to success when it comes to our health or anything else is never easy. You know, Pastor S says, get a vision, put it out there, you know. Uh, find an old picture of yourself when you were slim and trim, look like Superman. Put it on the refrigerator. Look at that picture every day. Remind yourself and, and set a goal. I'm going to look like that again. Amen. And, and work towards it. And it's only hard work and determination and diligence that's going to get you to that goal. It's not going to come by taking a pill or sucking on some candy or with some magic socks. It's going to come by hard work. And if you'll do these things, then you'll not only lose weight, but you'll keep your glucose levels low. Trust me, I know, because I did it. 
Uh, you know, I'm not in the, I'm not looking like my picture yet, but I was on diabetes medicine for 10 years. And I finally said, that's enough is enough. I started eating right. I started exercising on a regular basis. And I was taking it twice a day. Went to see the doctor, did my A1C. He says, I'm going to take you off of one of those pills. He said, just take the one at night. And I did that for about six months. I went back to the doctor. He said, I don't know what you've been doing, but keep doing it. I'm going to take you off that other pill. And I know how to stay off of them. Hard work, exercise, diligence. And, you know, when I hurt my back, I wasn't able to exercise the way that I was supposed to, and my A1C climbed. And the last time I went to the doctor, he said, I want you to start taking your uh, metformin at least one time a day till we get this back down. And I made, my, I made a determination then. I'm going to find something that I could do to keep my glucose levels low. I don't want to take any more pills. And, and you know... I take two pills in the morning and three at night, little ones, but I don't even want to take them. So I'm going to continue to work, and I'm going to continue to eliminate these things, but it's not going to be easy. I found out pills help if you need them, but if you don't need them, don't take them. If you're taking them because they're a shortcut, don't take them. I had a friend at work. Uh, he, he was diagnosed with diabetes. They put him on this medicine, and he would eat three donuts in the morning. You know, we'd have donuts at work and coffee and stuff. He'd eat three donuts. I said, how could you eat those three donuts when you got diabetes? He says, what do you think them pills are for? See, he, and this is true. He was leaning on those pills, and he wanted to continue living his lifestyle the way he was living it, not eliminate anything, not put any effort forth on his part, and continue to... Do whatever he wants by the pill. Well, the pill wasn't cutting it for him. And it just gets worse after that. But seriously, if you, you, know, if you really want more energy than you've ever had before, you need to change your way of thinking about yourself. And you need to get this can-do attitude that I can do it and I'm going to in 2020. Whatever it is, whatever your goal is. I know losing weight is popular, exercising and all of that, but... Nothing good in life comes easy. If it's worth having, it's worth working for. Amen? And I know that some of you have, most of you in here have good work ethics. You're willing to work. You're not afraid of work. How about applying that to your life? Quit giving it to the man. Take some of that energy and that, them good work ethics and apply them to your own life. Amen? Amen. You can do it. Hallelujah. And remember this. If it sounds too good to be true... It is. It's too good to be true. And, and I'm talking about your health this morning, but like I said, this works for anything, any goal that you have. And we just started a brand new year, and I don't want to see us going through 2020 with the same attitude that we had in 2019. And I want to see us be more successful this year than we've ever been before. But it's going to take some hard work. Can we do it? Yes, yes we can. <laughs> but you can't continue doing things the way you've been doing them, or not doing things that you should be doing. I mean, if you keep doing things the same way you've been doing them, then you're going to continue getting the same results that you've been getting. If you want different results, you have to do something different. Uh, and I think most people have a desire to change some things, and it's out of this desire that these New Year resolutions are made. 
And we make resolutions because we want to change our lives. We don't want what last year gave us. We want something new and something better in the new year. Amen? But we've got to keep that fervor. We got, you know, we're excited about a new year right now. Remember last week I said we got a blank canvas, a brand new start. You know, we can start over and let God paint our canvas. Let him uh, uh, direct our lives and paint it the way he wants it painted. I mean, we've been painting our own picture, and it's ugly. Amen. Let God paint it this year. We don't want what last year gave us. At least I don't. Like I said last week, if you're happy with it, you had a good year, and you want to repeat it, just keep doing what you've been doing, and you'll have the same year you had. But if you want different results, you have to step out of your comfort zone and do something different. And be prepared to face all your fears, like Pastor Ed was saying this morning about fears. That's what stops most of us from doing most things, fear of failure, fear I'm not good enough, fear I I can't make it, I can't do it that long, fear that I don't have enough money, fear that I don't have the support I need. But I'm telling you, if God's on your side, that's all the support that you need. You can do it if you have to do it by yourself, just you and God, amen? And you will be challenged. Because real change that lasts will not come easy. You're going to have to work, and you're going to have to work hard for it. One of the things I noticed about the top ten resolution is that they're, for the most part, selfish and self-centered. I don't know if you noticed that, but no one said they wanted to be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, have a better marriage, be a better giver, a better Christian, a better neighbor, a better servant. And how about this? I'm going to stop being so mean and angry and selfish and rude to people. I didn't see any of those. I I mean, I could give you a whole another top 10, maybe a top 15. But you know what? I can back up what I'm saying because you can stop those things. You can start those things. And there's no doubt in my mind that you can be successful at, at all of them if you put your mind to it. But we need to look at areas in our life that go beyond the top ten. Amen. We need to change our lives in things that are far more important than the world's top ten and their selfish top ten. And I'm here to, this morning to convince you that real change, change that lasts, is found in the Word of God. I'm telling you all the answers to all your problems is in this Word. And if you're serious about changing something, you'll find the answer you're looking for. And and if it's in this word, it's backed by God. And it can't fail. Amen? Amen. All the the changes that you need, and and for true and lasting change, I'm talking about change that's going to last. Amen? There's diets in the Bible. There's ways uh, uh, to help you quit smoking. There's ways that God can set you free, deliver you from the things that are holding you back. There's all kinds of answers in this Bible if we look for them. Everywhere, every area of our life, there's an answer for your problems. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 46. I'm just going to read a few verses here, and I'm going to read it in the King James. This is Jesus talking. He says, And why do you call me Lord and then not do the things which I say? 
And, you know, it seems to me that calling Jesus Lord is equated with doing his word. Amen? I mean, in other words, if you're calling him Lord, then you should be doing his word, right? There's no pill for this. There's no candy. There's no sock. There's no drink. This is something you have to do, and you have to do it on your own. You want to call him Lord? Do what he says. And while I'm on this subject, let me say this. We need to determine, first of all, who our Lord really is. And I know it sounds frivolous, but this is a legitimate question. Who are we really serving? Well, I'm in church this morning, ain't I? I must be serving the Lord. Not necessarily. And I don't know who you're serving. Because you got your, I'm serving the Lord, smiley face on this morning. I don't know what you're like when you leave here. I don't know who you're serving when you leave here. But God said this for a reason. He said, why call me Lord and not do the things that I say to do? See, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He's either Lord of all or Lord not at all. He says, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't hold them like this. You can't serve them both. You're either yoked to one or you're yoked to the other. And I know people jump back and forth, but when you jump back and forth, you still ain't serving the Lord. You're not sure who you want to serve yet. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? When you get yoked to something, you got to go where it goes, if it's the dominating force. When you have a, a yoke of oxen, I guess in, with dogs, they call it the alpha dog. Well, there's an alpha oxen, and that's the one that the master concentrates on because he knows if he gets that alpha oxen to turn left, the other one has to follow because it's yoked to it. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he said, my yoke is easy and my yoke is light. It's not like you're in slavery to him. You're yoked to him because you want him to take the lead. You want him to lead you and you want to follow him. And that's what he's saying here. You can't be yoked to both because they'll tear you apart. One will go one way, the other will go the other way, and you're in the middle. So he says, you can't serve God and mammon. Uh, mammon is, sounds like a tricky word, but it's basically material things. It's money and the things that money can buy. Jesus is saying you can't serve both. You're either going to cling to one and despise the other. He says you can't serve God and mammon. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? And people will deny profusely that they're serving mammon or they're serving money. But who makes most of our decisions, and what influences most of our decisions the most? Is it the Lord, or is it the desire for more money? And I'm telling you, you throw in a little bit of pride, the pride of life, and you throw that in with the love of money or serving mammon, and you've got a deadly combination. Amen. Amen. Uh, See, why did you take that last job? Why did you seek that last promotion that you got? Why did you change jobs? 
Is it because you prayed and asked the Lord and he told you to? Sometimes that's the case. But more times than not, it's a hunger for prestige. If I get this promotion, I get more power, more prestige, and more money. Is that what influenced your decision? If it did, you're serving the wrong God. You're serving mammon. Can you have both? Absolutely. You can have power, prestige, and money and still serve God. But you got to make up your mind who you're really serving. Amen? Don't let money talk for you. Don't let prestige talk for you. You let God talk for you. And I'm telling you, you'll have all those things you desire, and you'll have peace with them. Some of you got money, mammon, uh, you know, all the things that you could possibly want. But if you ain't got peace, I'm telling you, most people would be willing to sell it all for a little peace. I'm telling you because I know that's the way I was when I, when I was working for UPS. Nothing was ever enough. I got to have a new car. Just got to have I want this type of car. I got it, and two weeks later, the, you know... It, it stays new for a while, but it wears off quickly. And now you're on your next quest. Well, I got to have a bigger house. And, and you work for that, and you get that bigger house, and you're sitting there like, this ain't it either. Well, I, I, I got to have this new job, this new promotion. I, I'm going to work until I get this promotion. You get the promotion, you start climbing the ladder, and you feel good for a minute, and you say, this ain't it either. And I'm telling you, and I'm not against things. I'm not against you enjoying things. God wants you to enjoy things, but you got to keep them in perspective. Amen? Amen? And that was all free. It wasn't even in my notes. Whoever comes to me and hears what I say and does them, I'll show you who he's like. He's like a man which built a house and dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat forcefully on that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. Say, good foundation. But he that hears my words and doesn't do what I say is like a man that without a foundation built a house on top of the earth, on top of the ground. One translation says, on shifting sands, against which the stream also beat forcefully, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So that house, both of those houses represent a person's life. And the foundation that you build that life upon. If you build your foundation on Jesus Christ, the rock, you're going to build a solid house. And it's going to stand the storm. But if you built on your foundation, you didn't dig down deep. You didn't pour a good foundation or, or have it founded on a rock then the first, first storm that comes along is going to blow you away. And here's the thing. Both men heard the same word. They had the same opportunity to build. They had the same building materials. They might have even been neighbors. I don't know. The same storm came. The same rain fell. The same winds blew. And the same flood hit both houses. One house stood the storm. The other was completely destroyed. What was the difference? The foundations. That's the only difference. One house was built on the obedience of the word, and the other house was built without obedience to the word. One builder was a doer of the word. He did the things that the Lord said to do, and the other didn't. 
But the difference between those two who do the word and those who don't is amazing. Tremendous difference. One house stood, the other one was completely destroyed. So if you want real change in 2020, change that's going to last, then you have to start doing the word. Amen? See, we've been in the ministry for a while, and we've seen people come and we've seen people go. You know, we always use that little cute analogy about we're just bus drivers. People get on, people get off. And that's how it's been over the years, and people get back on and people get back off. And, and, and you know, T.D. Jake said this. He said, just keep driving the bus. Don't worry about the people get on and off, but we can't help it. You know, because if somebody gets on the bus and they get off immediately, not a big loss. You know, it's a loss, but not a big loss. But when people get on the bus and ride with us for a number of years and then get off, it hurts. It's hard not to worry about things like that. It's hard not to feel those things. But we do keep driving the bus. Amen? But we've seen them come. We've seen them go. We've seen the good in ministry. We've seen the bad in ministry. And we feel them both. And we've seen people excel in the Word, grow in leaps and bounds. And we've seen people grow a little, and we've seen people not grow at all. Yet they keep coming. And it makes you wonder, because just like the two builders, they have the same opportunity, the same ground, the same building materials, the same storm, but why the different results? Why do some grow a lot, some don't grow at all, some grow somewhere in the middle? Because we have the same God, the same Jesus, the same word, uh, the same church, the same preaching and teaching, and yet we have people that are on different spiritual levels all the time. Some higher than others. And, and, you know, I know what you're thinking. It's because some people have been here longer than others. But I have to tell you, God don't recognize tenure, and he doesn't recognize seniority. He goes according to hunger. If you're hungry, he'll fill you a lot faster than he'll fill somebody else. Just because you're hungry, just because you want it. God's not going to force feed anybody. And then it comes down to this. You have to do what you learn. You have to do what the Lord said to do. Amen. <laughs> you know, why are some overcomers and some not overcomers? Why do some prosper and some don't? Why do some get healed and some don't? And why does the word seem to work for some people and doesn't work for other people? And I, I, I mentioned it last week, but I've heard this more times than not. I'm coming to church and I'm... Uh, reading the word and I'm praying and, and I'm obeying God to the best of my abilities, but Joe Center down the street is, is way ahead of me and it seems like everything good happens to him and everything bad happens to me. And you know what? That's true. Sometimes that's true. But I can tell you this. If you really study Joe Center's life, even though he's doing it unconsciously, he's doing the word in some area of his life. He could be a rank sinner and not even recognize Jesus Christ as Lord and be a good giver. And if he's a giver, God will give to him. God will bless him because he's doing the word, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, because it's a spiritual law. If you give, he'll give. And, you know, if you're kind to others, God's going to be kind to you. It's called sowing and reaping. And so even though he's lost, 
He's doing something that's pleasing God, and God is blessing him for it. How much more does he want to bless you who say he's Lord and who serve him? He wants to bless us even more. Amen. Amen. But he said it rains on the just and the unjust. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I think we know the answer as to why some get healed, some don't, some prosper, some don't. Uh, and, 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 but I'm going to keep teaching, so uh, we're just going to assume that we don't have the right answer right now. And I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes I sit back and I wonder, why did God pick me? Why is God using me at all for anything? You know, who am I that God took time out of his busy day to interview me and give me a job in the kingdom? I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world, the brightest crayon in the box, the sharpest knife in the drawer. I even had this one old boy told me that I was two french fries short of a Happy Meal. Yet God still chose me. Why? Sometimes it just humbles me to think that God would use me for anything. Vacuum the floor. Praise God. I can't believe God is using me to do something at all, let alone pastor a church a small church in Louisville, Kentucky. But God doesn't look at your qualifications. I, I come to realize after a number of years that he uses me and Pastor Rep because we were willing to be used. Not because we're special or we got any kind of special uh, abilities. It's because we said, I'll do it. And so God uses us. And, and at, at various times, different degrees you know you can say i'll do it and god will give you something to do no and there's nothing too small in the kingdom of god i mean we're going to be rewarded according to our faithfulness whether it was a little job or a big job you know the guy that had five talents he was rewarded the same as the guy that had two talents why because they were both faithful in what god told them to do and so if we're faithful with uh, Vacuuming the carpet, cleaning the bathroom, uh, filling in for the pastor when he's not here, like Brother Darrell, uh, on the praise and worship team, a greeter at the door, a teacher in the back. It doesn't make any difference. If God told you to do it, he's going to reward us all the same. Hallelujah. He's a fair God. It's just like with tithing. He says 10%. That's fair for everybody. Yeah, but I make $10,000 a week. Praise the Lord. I'm happy for you. But 10% of 10,000 is the same as 10% of $100 in God's eyes. And though you gave 1,000, the guy that gave 10, you both gave equally in God's eyes. Amen. So God's a fair God. He's a good God. He wants us blessed. He wants to bless us. And, and you know, people have come to us at different times in our ministry and told us, you know, I've been doing the Word, but the Word hasn't been working for me. And this happens more times, and you'd be surprised how many times this happens. And we sit them down, and, you know, they don't actually come out and say the Word isn't working, but when somebody tells you that they're doing the Word and they're not getting any results, it's the same thing. I mean, the implication is there. The Word ain't working for me. And I know this might sound a little blasphemous, but you're actually calling God a liar. Amen. And, and, but let's be honest. If someone promised you they would do something for you and then they didn't do it, 
They lied. They lied to you. And, and that's the fastest way in the world to lose respect for someone. And, and it'll cause you to doubt everything they say after that time you caught them in a lie. And so that's the problem with a lot of families. Parents promise their kids things, and they don't come through. And I'm not talking about a bicycle or a pair of roller skates. How many times have you promised your child a spanking or some kind of discipline or punishment for not doing something that they were supposed to do or because of behavior, and then you didn't follow through? Liar. You're a liar. You lied to your kids. You said, if you don't clean your room, then you're going to be grounded for a week, and the next day they're out playing, got their phones back and everything else. You lied to them. And then when you want to talk to them about something meaningful, they don't respect you. Because you lied to them once, you lie again. And, and so, you know, it's the same thing with God. And again, I'm trying not to sound blasphemous, but if he promised you that if you give, he will give you good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, and he doesn't do that, then he's lied to you. And if you catch God in one lie, you might as well burn your Bible or throw it in the garbage because you can't trust him for anything else that he said in the Word. Amen. You lie to me, and I'll forgive you, and I won't hold it against you, but I'll have trouble believing you the next time you tell me something. Amen. And I have a hard time respecting you after that. And I know, like I said, it sounds blasphemous to say that about God, but I'm trying to make a point. Because if you tell me you're doing the word and it's not working for you, then either God's a liar or you are. Guess who I'm going to pick? <laughs> but again, if anyone says that they'll do something and they don't do it, they're lying. They're a liar. Numbers 23:19 in the New Living Translation says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. And besides that, let me give you something way far out there. God has got so much faith that when he created the worlds, he created them out of nothing. He spoke them into existence. There was no light in the beginning. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And everything he said come to pass. So even if he told you a lie, it would come to pass. Because right. if God says, Brother Paul, you're pink, right. you would become pink, and that would erase that lie. It would be the truth. Right. So God's not a man that he should lie. He can't lie. Right. Even if he tried to lie, it would come, come to pass and be true. Yeah. So God don't lie, can't lie, will not lie. And the day that he does accomplish a lie, he'll cease to exist as God. He can't be God anymore because God has to be perfect. But the Bible says God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Let me answer that for you. No, no way, no how, not a nandy. Couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. And that's why I've always said, if there's a problem between you and God, guess who the problem's with? So the questions again. Why do some people prosper and others don't? 
Why do some people get their healing and others don't? Why do some people uh, are, are full of joy and others look like someone shot their hunting dog? Why are some people calm and peaceful, peaceful and other people are so stressed and nervous they can thread a sewing machine while it's running? Why? What's the difference? One's a doer, one ain't. <laughs> and now, there's definitely more than one answer to those questions, but I just want to hit on what I believe to be the main reason. One's a doer and one's not. The word works for some and doesn't seem to work for others because others ain't doing the work. God said, if you do this, I'll do that. And if he doesn't do that, you did this and he doesn't do that, he's a liar. Can you handle some truth this morning? Yes. It might be a little hard on you. Can you, <laughs> can you still handle it? Yes. Here's the main reason people are prospering in the word. We call him Lord, and we do what he says. And if you'll do that, you'll prosper. And I believe that if you'll work the word, the word will work for you all the time, every time. Amen. Never fail. For the word to fail would mean that God failed. But the main reason we're not being blessed by the word is because we're not doing the word. And that's what has to change in 2020 more than anything else. I told you the truth can be hard. But I'm telling you this because I believe you want change in 2020. And I can't think of a better way to get it. You know, James tells us that it's the doer that's blessed in his doing. Amen. So if you're not doing it, you're just a forgetful hearer, and you're not the one that's getting blessed. Amen. And, and like I said, that works for Joe Center down the street as well as it will for you because God's word works for everybody. Amen. If you'll use God's word, he will uh, cause it to come to pass. Amen. Proverbs 4.20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Yes. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. That's that vision Pastor Ed was talking about this morning. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. There's a resolution for you. Amen. Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. Make a note of it. Yes. See, God's word tells us some really simple things to do. And if we'll do them, we'll get the desired results. Amen. Amen. I mean, come on. You're willing to put your faith in some pills and candy and magic socks. How about putting your faith in the word of God? And the God that spoke it. Amen. Right. <laughs> if you can believe in snake oil treatments, you can believe God's word. Amen. Now that guy that bought them pills, it wasn't me. He really believed that they would work for him. That, that salesman had him convinced that he could take two of those pills a day and lose weight while not changing any eating habits. And what stands behind that? Who stands behind it? What man said that? What man invented that sugar pill and convinced people to do that? It wasn't God. No, sir. Because if it was God and he said it, that pill would have worked. That's right. Amen. Amen. 
And some people say, well, you know, there's some gray areas in the Bible because it's not real specific in a lot of areas. But that's not true. In reality, there's no gray areas in the Bible. They're all black and white. You can't show me one gray area. See, God is very specific concerning his word and what he'll do for those that obey it. And there's no gray areas. Get that myth out of your head. The politicians want you to believe that there's gray areas. A lot of issues are gray to them, like abortion, same-sex marriage, alcohol, gambling, drugs. But like I said, no gray areas. But if they can convince you that there's a gray area concerning LGBTQ lifestyles, then you'll have separate churches. You'll have a church that believes in LGBTQ lifestyles and a church that stays with the traditions of the word. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to divide everybody. He's doing a good job. And we have people tell us all the time, they don't read the word because it's so hard to understand. Why would God not want you to understand the word? Why would he write it and say, let me see now if I'm going to use some tricks here so they can't really understand what I'm saying. That would be stupid of God. He wants you to understand. His instructions are very easy to understand, and they're plain. And I'm going to give you some examples of them, and uh, every one of them will improve your life if you obey them. But I want to make sure you can understand what God says, and, and just in case you think it's hard to understand. 2 Timothy 2.15, you don't have to write these down, or you don't have to follow me, but you can just write them down and look at them later. But he says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, is it easy to understand that we're supposed to study the word and be good workers for God? That was easy for me to see that. Hebrews 10, 24, this in the Amplified. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds or good works. Not forsaking our meeting together as some believers for worship and instruction. That's what we're here for this morning, worship and instruction. We gather together. It's called the church. He says, Uh, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. See, some people think that they can serve God and stay home. Not according to the word. He says, but encouraging one another. How are you going to encourage one another if you stay home? How's that preacher on television going to encourage you? How are you going to encourage him? Because it says encouraging one another if he's on television and you're not. And all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Is it easy to understand that we're supposed to encourage one another in love and good deeds and attend church? That's easy for me to understand. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And these are, some, these are some good resolutions you could have for this year. Paul says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
So is it easy to understand that we're supposed to be givers? Cheerful givers. Romans 13, 9. I'll just give you a few more and then I'll quit. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't do any of these other things. But is it easy to understand we're supposed to be people with morals and love our neighbors? It's plain to me. Yes. Romans 13, 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. I told you the truth is hard sometimes, isn't it? But it's easy for me to understand that we're supposed to pay our debts, not cheat on our taxes, <laughs> and respect and honor our elected officials. You don't have to like them, but you got to respect them and honor them. Ephesians 4.29. Is this too deep for you? If it is, I'll... Okay. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Is it easy to understand we're not supposed to cuss our friends out or gossip about them? That we should only speak encouraging words that will edify them and build them up? A couple more, a couple more, and I promise. John 13, 35 and Mark 12, 31. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you're my Lord, that he's your Lord, if you have love one to another. And the second commandment is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Is it easy to understand that we're to walk in love with each other and with our neighbors? And he said there's no greater commandment because if you walk in love, you won't do any of those other things to your neighbor. So you don't have to worry about the other commandments because by you obeying this one, you're obeying all. Paul said if you sin in one, you sin in all. So if you walk in this commandment, you fulfill all the other ones. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. That's pretty plain to me. Instead... Well, what, what can I do to stop worrying? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. That's how you stop worrying. That's how you stop stressing. That's how you stop taking Zolaf or Zolar or whatever that is, that medicine that gives, brings peace to your mind. And like Pastor S said this morning, she was hitting on all of this stuff, you know. Well, how do I treat my troubled mind? I got to take this pill. No, think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, and so on and so forth. If there be any praise, if there be any worship, think about God. Yes, amen. That'll bring peace to they yes. whose minds are stayed upon the Lord shall be in perfect peace. Yes. So 
Get your mind on him. Get your mind on all the things that are going right instead of the one or two little things that's going wrong. It'll give you peace of mind. And you won't need a pill to do it. So it's easy to understand we're not supposed to worry, that we're supposed to pray about the things we're worried about, and then thank God for the solution. Let me see here. One more, one more. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, not if you pray, but when you pray, Amen. forgive if you have ought against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So it's easy to understand that we're supposed to be forgiving people. Amen. Amen. We're supposed to be praying forgiving people. Yes. And the other thing I understand about this is if I don't forgive you, God won't forgive me. That's right. That's it. That's easy to understand, right? So our answers aren't found in a pill or a piece of candy or in some gum or magic socks or magic drinks. Our answers are found in the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. You can't do it if you don't know it. We should be forgiving, love people while you can, touch people while you can, and don't hold grudges. I mean, those are some simple things, but the blessings for doing that are... Tremendous. Now, I didn't even use one problem where God said, if you do this, I'll do that. There's a lot of uh, promises like that, too. But what I'm sharing with you this morning are things that will improve you. Amen. Improve your life in every area. Uh, (laughs) God said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And the only way your soul is going to prosper is through this word. Amen. Reading this word, getting this word in your heart, prospering your soul. Because you are going to uh, be blessed in proportion to the prospering of your soul. Amen. If your soul's only prospering a little, you're going to be blessed a little. Amen? Amen? But there's things in life that are a lot more important than the things that you're focused on right now. Amen. And so in 2020, some of us need to get on our knees and ask God, where should I direct my focus this year? Should it be on this job, this promotion, or should it be on what you want me to do? Because if you do what he wants you to do, it's not only going to bless you, but it's going to bless your family and everything that you have anything to do with. God's that way. He'll fill you to overflowing so that the overflow will get on somebody around you. Amen. So how you look toward this coming year will make all the difference in the world. And like I said, you can't change one thing that happened in 2019. It's done happen. Quit looking back. Jesus warned us, don't look back. Why? Because you'll wind up going back. He said, if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Why? Because you'll plow a crooked furrow. See, when you're plowing, you got to see where you're going. And it comes to that focus again. Like at UPS in defensive driver training, you had to have an imaginary target, like a baseball or a dartboard. And you'd put that thing, you know, about 8 to 12 seconds down the road, and you'd imagine this bullseye or, or a catcher's mitt in the center of the, of the lane that you're driving in. And you aim for it. And what does it do? 
it centers your vehicle in the traffic lane. In other words, if, you're constant, if you keep that target in the center of the lane and keep steering towards it, your vehicle will stay right in the center of that lane. And I've told you this before, but my neighbor is amazed at the straight line that I uh, mow. You know, my, I don't know how many thousand feet my yard goes back, a couple, two and a half acres or whatever, but that first cut determines the entire cut of the lawn. And mine is straight as arrow. Why? I pick out the property line. It's, there's a white pipe at the end of my property, and I focus on that white pipe, and I take off and I steer towards that white pipe. I don't look to the left. I don't look to the right. I certainly don't look behind. I just keep steering towards that white pipe. And when I get to that pipe, I turn around, I got a straight line. Works every time. Get a goal. Put it on the refrigerator and steer towards it. Don't take your eyes off the goal. Just keep stirring, steering towards it. And sooner or later, you're going to reach it. And when you look back, you're going to see that you did the right things all the way along the road. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So people are wondering what the new year is going to bring. I wonder what the new year is going to bring to me. How about this? What are you going to bring to the new year? It's yours. You bring it. You control it. You bring to that new year what you want to bring to the new year. Don't wait for the new year to bring you something. You might not like it. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's receive communion. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.